Thank you for taking the time to view this message online. You can connect with us more through our comments section of this video, through our Facebook page, or through our website, nhgj.org. In this message series about God's faithfulness, we've been focused on this idea that God is consistently faithful, even when we at times are faithless and inconsistent in our relationship with him. Last message, we focused on Abraham and how God had made a covenant with Abraham to make him into a great nation. And he promised from Abraham would come kings and a multitude of nations as God blessed him and called him forward. And in this message, we're going to continue that same idea around covenants and God's promises to us and God's faithfulness to us. And so we're going to be looking at Moses and specifically the covenant that he made with the people of Israel and how Moses was that intermediary uh, between God and the people of Israel and uh, how he imparted to Moses the promises that he had. So I invite you to pray with me as we get started and then we'll be uh, turning to Genesis chapter 19 and looking at this covenant that God made with the people of Israel. And in this message, we're going to see how that faithfulness that God displays, even when people are faithless, how it's this encouragement for us to be present and wait upon the Lord. And that's the place that we get to experience his presence. Well, let's pray. And then we'll turn to Genesis 19. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power that it has in our lives to transform us from the inside out. And so Holy Spirit, come now, speak to us uh, in power and in wisdom, impart to us the understanding that we need uh, to be able to discern what your word is saying, and then also to discern what you're saying to us specifically, uh, us individually in our own lives. And we thank you for causing the word to be alive within us in Jesus' name, amen. Last message, we looked at the covenant that God made with Abraham and Sarah and how he accomplished that through the birth of the son Isaac. And it was a promise that they waited many years for. And at the age of 100, Abraham had a son. And so it just showed God's faithfulness, even when we think time has passed us by. Well, in this one, we, uh, this message, we fast forward to the Exodus out of Egypt. And the people of Israel uh, have grown in, while they're in Egypt, they had, they had expanded a lot of uh, the family of God had rapidly grown and multiplied in Egypt. And so while in Egypt, it's like a really big family, uh, they're a unique people. And so this threatens Pharaoh. And so Pharaoh enslaves the Israelites. Uh, they help him build up, they help Pharaoh build up his empire and all of his building campaigns. And so the people cry out to God and God sends them a deliverer, Moses. And uh, he, he hears them, he hears their heart. And so Moses comes and he is the instrument. He's the one that God uses to bring his people out of Egypt and deliver them. So they pass uh, through the sea and uh, now they're coming before they approach the promised land, they come to Mount Sinai and God shows up in a very powerful way and he visits uh, with Moses and he says, listen, this is the promise I made to your forefathers. 
uh, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, that I would bless you and make you into a great people, a great nation. And so at this moment at Sinai is where this covenant really gets formalized, uh, where God speaks to, to Moses and says, this is how you're going to be my people. Now that there's a lot of you uh, and you're forming this, becoming this great nation, this is how I want you to behave with one another and put on display uh, our relationship to the, to the world. So as the people are rescued out of Egypt, again, he's telling them, you're going to be my treasured possession, uh, a holy nation, a, a nation of people that are set apart. And so they're going to be this kingdom of priests that mediate his goodness and glory to all the nations. So they're going to be a witness of who God is in the world. This covenant, however, it's spoken to Abraham that they're going to be this great nation. Now the covenant that comes into place is the people's agreement saying, yes, we will do this. We're no longer slaves in Egypt. We're going to be this type of people. And so this is most visibly expressed of how God is going to work through them by his blessing them and helping them to possess the land. But also if they disobeyed the covenant, if the people of Israel didn't follow through with their part, God expressed to them, he said, it's, it's going to be known by all the nations because I'm gonna, going to allow you to be taken captive over and over again. And we see this as we move forward in scripture, we see how God allowed other nations to come in and invade Israel. And in this way, it really was a way in which God showed them physically what was happening spiritually. If they allowed other idols, other gods uh, to come into their life and take them captive, God allowed them physically also to be taken captive. So there's always this, this uh, dual experience of whatever was happening spiritually in the people of Israel is what mirrored in their physical interactions. So if they were being taken captive with idolatry, they became taken captive physically. If they were serving the Lord and his blessing was upon them, then they were expanding as a nation and they were possessing the lands which he had called them to. Well, Genesis 19, one through six, uh, we get to see where this interaction with uh, God and Moses and the people of Israel takes place. Genesis 19, beginning in verse one, it says, on the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from the Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai and they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain while Moses went up to God. The Lord called to him out of the mountain saying, thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, you yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians and how I bore you on eagles wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples for all the earth is mine and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And so this is God extending himself, right? He's speaking this to Moses and he's saying, tell the people that you saw what I did in Egypt. You saw how I brought you to this place. And now if you will stay with me, you're going to be a very unique people, a kingdom of priests, people holy unto me. And, and through you, I'm going to reach the nations. And, and so what an amazing 
blessing this is, what a, what a calling this is. And so it's in this moment that God gives them the laws and regulations that outline how they're going to interact with one another, how they're going to be a people that is unique in the world. And it starts with the overview, the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments aren't the, the, the whole of it. They're just kind of the summary or the overview of the specific details that unfold in the following chapters. And so Moses gets all of this and he comes before the people to give them a picture of what it's going to look like if God is their God and they are his people. What will it be like for them to live in community with one another? And what will it look like? What are God's expectations for them as a people? Genesis 24, three through eight, tells us kind of this interaction that Moses has with the people. Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules. And all the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and 12 pillars according to the 12 tribes of Israel. And he sent young men uh, of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins and half the blood he threw against the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it in the hearing of the people. And they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will be obedient. And Lord Moses took the blood and threw it on the people and said, behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. Wow, so far, so good, right? Moses gets this instruction from God. This is how you're going to interact. And so Moses brings it back to the people and they have this agreement uh, with, with Moses and, on how they're going to interact with one another. They say, yes, we're good with this. We will obey it all. We will, we will do it. And so they have this agreement. Again, so far, so good. God speaks. The people say yes, and we're, we're going to do it. And so then he says, this is, this is how you're going to interact. And, and uh, then with this agreement, Moses goes back to the mountain with some of the leaders. And in this next interaction on the mountain, God is giving to Moses uh, the instructions for the tent, uh, the instructions for the articles that are going to be used in worship, uh, the type of clothing and the, the ways that they're going to interact with God. Right? So the first one is God saying, are you on board with this? Will you be this type of people and represent me with one another and to the people around you? They say, yes, we're, we're in. So Moses goes back, agrees with God. They said, yes. So now God says, okay, well, if they're in there, then here's how they're going to worship me. Here's how I'm going to interact with you as a, as a people then. And he gives them all of this instructions. And God finishes these instructions by saying, listen, here's the sign of this covenant. Here's how people you know and I'll know that we're in agreement with one another you need to keep the Sabbath. You need to keep the Sabbath. And that's going to be the, the connecting piece for us that we are in covenant with one another. So this is in Genesis 31, 16 and 17. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath throughout their generations as a covenant forever. It is a sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. 
So just as circumcision was a sign of the covenant that God made with Abraham and that he was going to be uh, the father of many nations, so now his covenant with the people of Israel, he uses the Sabbath as a sign of this covenant. And, and so again, it's, it's this outward expression of the agreement that they've made together. So that's a lot of territory we've covered so far. So let me just kind of sum it up in a couple bullet points. One, God delivers the people out of Egypt. They've been in captivity, now they're free. So now as free people, God says, listen, here's how you're going to live life together and in the communities around you that allows you to be a different type of people so that the world sees that we're in relationship together. They all say, all the people say, we're good with this. We are on board, we, we covenant to do this. And so they are sprinkled with blood by Moses, which is, you know, in the life of, of the offering, the blood poured out says, listen, we're bound to this. It's by blood that we are bound uh, to this. So now Moses goes back and gets the worship instructions from God. And so now they have instructions of how they're going to interact with God, right? So as I said before, things are moving forward and all things are going well. Not entirely. <laughs> we have a major, not just hiccup, we have a huge roadblock. We have a problem because it is not all good. While God is giving Moses instructions for worship, the people who are at the base of the mountain are actually already settling into worshiping an idol. Uh, they have a worship ceremony of dancing, feasting, and celebrating, not around God, but around a golden calf. God's speaking with Moses about worship and how he receives worship. And, and in that moment, he says, Moses, you better get down to the camp because the people are losing their minds. <laughs> the people are so quick, they're already stepping into idolatry. And I am about to just light them up, wipe them out and make a new nation out of you alone. Like I'm done with these people. I'm so frustrated. They just said yes. And now they're worshiping a golden calf. So yeah, that quick. They're already on their own, trying to make their own way of serving God. So what happens? Moses hurries down the mountain and sees this worship around the calf. And he asks Aaron, what did you do? Aaron was his representative. He's with the people while Moses is on the mountain with Joshua. And he's just saying, Aaron, what did you do? And Aaron's response, of course, is just hilariously sad. Aaron said in verse 24, so they wanted me to present, put something forward that they could follow. And since you were on the mountain, I said to them, let any who have gold take it off. So they gave it to me and I threw it in the fire and out came this calf. <laughs> Throw some gold in a flame and out comes a, calf, a golden calf. Amazing how that works. Uh, clearly God didn't buy Aaron's story either because in verse 35, it says, then the Lord sent a plague on the people because they made the calf the one that Aaron made. <laughs> so God wasn't fooled by Aaron's story either. Uh, he had certainly the part in it. So we've got a problem. 
They've covenanted, God says, okay, then here's how you worship me. But they start worshiping around a golden calf. One of their leaders, Aaron, participates in this. He actually shapes and forms the calf in which they're worshiping. And so now they're faced with a plague and God has given them stiff warnings. Moses is upset. We already have big problems in this covenant. And it's because the people can't hold up their side of it. Sprinkled with blood, already committing to God what they said they would do. They've already broken it. There's a problem, right? There's a rapidly uh, dis rapid descent into idolatry from a people who just said that they would follow the Lord explicitly and do everything that he told them to do. Broken covenant, broken relationship. I look at this story and I can shake my head at Aaron and the Israelites and, and just say, how pathetic, right? Have they just made an agreement that they would serve the Lord and here they are already breaking that. So I, I can shake my head, but this actually points to a bigger picture that is present and that's a reality for all of us. And that reality is this. We are willing to replace the presence and promises of God with the comfort of gaining control over our circumstances, no matter how temporary or harmful. This isn't just an Aaron and Israel problem. This is a human problem. This is something that we deal with on a regular basis. This actually came up earlier, even with Abraham. There's real irony in this situation, right? Here's Here's the sign of the covenant is that they need to learn to stop and cease. Remember the Sabbath? God saying this is going to be our sign is that you understand your boundaries, that when you need to stop, you stop and recognize I'm God and you're not people. <laughs> Take a Sabbath, cease from your activity on the seventh day. In other words, you can trust God that the world is going to keep going even when you stop from your ceasing, from your work. You stop doing your work. So all of a sudden they find themselves in a place where they don't know what's going on. Moses is away. So instead of stopping and waiting on God, they create a calf. They create an idol. So Moses takes too long. But we can't just wait. We can't just be patient. We actually invoke God's anger by doing something that he forbids. This is the irony in it. God took too long, right? That's the irony in it, is that God tells them a sign of this covenant is you learn to wait on me. And they're saying, but you take too long. We need something to bring us comfort, to encourage us. So they take it in their own hands. The same thing happened with Abraham and Sarah, right? God promised a son, God took too long, so they came up with an Ishmael, right? They, they said, God, you're not gonna come through for us, we need to take matters into our own hand. We see it played out over and over again throughout the Bible. Men and women who find that waiting on God, it can be an unbearable task. God takes too long, he's, he's not working in their time frame. So they take matters in their own hands and they create children of conflict. They create golden calves of suffering and pain. They create kingdoms of division and war. And all the while, God is waiting on them to embrace his time, to trust him that he will come through 
when he says it's time and he will accomplish his purpose, to trust his plan and follow through with it on his way. This really is the tragedy, right? God is so faithful. God is so willing. He delivers them out of Egypt. And all he's asking of them is to wait upon him, to trust him, that in his timing, in his way, he will lead them faithfully into the promised land. It's the same promise he makes to us, the same commitment. But over and over, I find myself, I see so many other Christians like me who get impatient with God, who try to force the issue, try to take things on in their own way. And they end up with brokenness. They end up in their hurried state with golden calves. They end up with broken families and broken lives. They end up with... uh, spiritual children born out of, not out of promise, but out of their own haste. And it comes back to create pain in their life. The tragedy is that God is so faithful and the people will prove over and over, not only in this moment, but in many more to come after this. And in the lives of people today, we will prove that we're not able to fulfill our part of the covenant. We will break faith Human beings will break faith with God over and over again, and yet God is faithful. Here's the encouragement for us. God shows his faithfulness to us and that he will not allow quick and easy substitutions for his presence to satisfy us so that we never rest until we're abiding in his presence. There is nobody and no thing that matches the presence of God. And it is his grace, it is his mercy and love towards us that there is nothing on the earth in heaven or below the earth that matches the presence of God. So it is a gift from him that you and I can never be satisfied with a golden calf. We'll never be satisfied with a child that is not a child of promise that something is born out of our own hands. Uh, uh, We'll never be satisfied with the things that we hastily force and say, God, just bless this. It's close enough, I'm sure, to what you had. He never blesses the work of our hands and calls it good enough. He says, what you've created will never satisfy you fully. What you've produced out of your own life will only lead to dissatisfaction, sorrow, and brokenness. But if you wait upon me, if you spend time in my presence, if you allow my promises to come true in your life, you'll be deeply satisfied, not just in the moment, but over and over again, abiding in his presence, we find that satisfaction. In Jesus Christ, what God did for us is he tore the curtain. He pulled back that veil that kept us separated from being in the Father's presence. And Jesus said, I've now given you through his death on the cross, his resurrection, his ascension to the Father. He said, I've given you access to the very presence of God. You don't have to lean into your own merits and you don't have to lean into your ability to do every step of uh, the law and the covenants. He says, your obedience is to follow after me and through Christ we have found a way into God's presence. But the same encouragement is there for you and I today. Do not substitute a golden calf for the presence of God. That we we can't just choose our own way of seeking after God. We have to do the work of discipleship. We have to be these people who are willing to walk in maturity and growth in Christ. It's not 
just that he wants a, a good Sunday morning experience for us. He wants a daily experience in his presence, in obedience, in walking with him to experience the fullness of his presence. There is no substitute for the presence of God. We can't just hurry it along. It comes by waiting. And in his time and in his way, he draws close to us so that we can know his, his covenantal relationship with us and experience his blessing upon our lives. His covenant, God says he wants to be your God. He will be your God and you will be his son or his daughter. He doesn't invite us to just figure it out on our own. He requires that we stay with him, that we not get ahead or fall behind, but we abide with him and in him and we remain with him. That's the tragedy of so much of what's happening in our world today. It, it's not everything we see in the world. That's sad in of itself, but it's what we're seeing in the church, a fragmentation of people who are not remaining with Christ, they're getting caught up in constitutional issues. They're getting caught up in medical issues. They're getting caught up in all the social distraction of the day, which are very real issues that need prayer and need attention, but they will never substitute the presence of God or replace Christ's role in your life. So can I implore with you, do not get distracted. Do not leave Christ behind. Do not get ahead of him. Do not lag behind him, but remain with him in the moment. And he will give you his presence and discernment of how to figure out what to do in these days. Attaching yourself to one side or the other of, of an issue of the day will not fulfill what God's presence can fulfill in your life. Remain with him. Abide with him. Stay in step with the Spirit of God. And in that, you'll find the blessing of his relationship. He will be your God and we will be his people. Jesus, we thank you for your word that your covenant with us is a yes and amen. That you have covenanted to make us a kingdom of priests, a kingdom of people committed and devoted to you where we put forth your glory and people see your glory in us. But that only comes when we're waiting upon you and we're seeking you and we're putting on display your presence and not getting distracted with golden calves and, and trying to create children of promise on our own and trying to establish kingdoms of our own. But instead, we're remaining with you and pointing to the glory that is found in Jesus alone. We thank you for your word. We thank you for its work in us. In Jesus' name, amen. You can find more resources for this service at nhgj.org. Email us your prayer requests to prayer at nh4gj.org. If you are a new follower of Jesus, we have a free resource for you called Following Jesus. To receive a copy, send a request to info at nh4gj.org. If you would like to partner with our ministry through giving, you can do that online at nhgj.org giving or by mail to 641 Horizon Drive, Grand Junction, Colorado, 81506. Thank you for being with us and may the Lord bless you.